I mentioned the story of Jonah a minute ago, and that's it's actually one of my favorite parts of the Bible. I love I love the book of Jonah. I want to read you a passage just from the very beginning. It's got a pretty famous story. Jonah chapter one, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. There was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. The mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down to the inner part of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise and call out to your God. Perhaps your God uh, will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Now, the book of Jonah is often described as someone, Jonah who runs away from God, and that's certainly the case. Um, you know, he, uh, Tarshish is very far away from Nineveh. They're opposite directions completely. And I grew up hearing this story often described, I think maybe this is sort of the VeggieTales version, that, God, that Jonah was scared of, uh, of Nineveh, which is good reason. They were a people that killed a lot of folks. Um, but uh, that's not the reason Jonah gives. Jonah just hated the Ninevites. He knew that God was the kind of God who would actually save these people, and he didn't want to give them that chance. So he's going to run as far away as he could. In fact, be willing to even die if he had to, just to not have to give this message of mercy. That is to say, when Jonah thought about Nineveh, he felt disgust, disgusted by Nineveh. And I, I have found that image interesting. It's interesting especially in Jonah because, if you've noticed, God's prophet in Jonah, what does he do when the storm happens? He goes down, down, down to the bottom of the ship and falls asleep. And what do the heathens do? The pagan sailors who, who Jonah finds so disgusting, they start worshiping. God's prophet is asleep, and the pagan people who are supposed to be the bad guys are worshiping. That is, we, we learn that sometimes the objects of our disgust didn't earn it. Uh, Richard Beck is a professor at Abilene Christian, and he has a, a really great book called Unclean about disgust in Christianity. I think it's really fascinating, and I want to show you a couple of points from it uh, that I learned years ago. That is, psychologists have, have written about disgust for a number of years now. There's a couple different experiments that I think are just wonderful that illustrate this. Uh, the first one is, they have people come into a room, and they ask them, hey, do you like brownies? And of course, the answer is always yes to that question. And the question two, would you like to eat a brownie now? And if you've said yes to both those questions, that means that you want, you like brownies, you want to eat one, they bring out to you brownies. They are brownies, perfectly good brownies, but they are cooked in the mold and the um, color of dog poop. And that's what they look like. They look just like it. look just like a dog poop on a, pl- a platter. And they say, these are brownies. They're perfectly healthy. Promise. Scout's honor. Uh, will you eat one? And something like 70% of people can't make themselves eat the brownie that looks just like dog. But they're disgusted, right? There's a reaction visceral. They can't even control it, the reaction. Um, another experiment, maybe you can relate to this. They ask people, do you like orange juice? Yes. Would you like a glass now? Yes. They bring in a glass of orange juice. They put it on the table. They take some tongs out. And they pull out a cockroach. And they swirl it around the orange juice. And they say, now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to boil this orange juice 
We're going to put it through a series of filters that have a higher grade of purification than anything you will buy on the shelf. When we're done, it will be more clean than any orange juice you could possibly buy down the street at Kroger. Do you want it? And something like 89% of people, even though they know logically it's fine to drink, can't make themselves do it. Um, I, I remember this in my life. There's an example, I think, very uh, the same sort of thing. When I, in college, Elaine and I, we still do. In fact, I ate a, some sushi right before we came here. We like sushi. We're sushi people. Um, my parents aren't. They're not. And uh, I'm, we took them to a sushi place one time, and I, I gave my father a piece of sushi um, to eat. And he stabbed it with a fork, and he held it to his mouth. And I watched him. I watched him struggle to try to put it in his mouth, and he couldn't. He just put it down and said, I can't do it. Can't do it. I've heard all my life, this is bait, I'm not eating it. Uh, and that's not logical, right? There's no reason there. That's emotion, that's visceral, that's disgust. And the problem is, we sometimes look at other people, people made in the image of God, and we feel revulsion. People who are so different from us. We feel disgusted by people around us sometimes. But let's not, remit, let's not forget what Jesus said. He looked right in the eyes of Pharisees, people who honestly, we sometimes make Pharisees into bad people. They were great folks. They were religious. They tried their best. We would have been Pharisees back 2,000 years ago. It's not a negative thing. He looks right in the eyes and says, prostitutes will make it into the kingdom of God before you will. Because you look at other people and you put yourself on a pedestal and you think, I'm better than them. You feel this reaction of disgust, and it's not based on reason. In fact, it's not based on reality. It is wrong to look at a human being and to feel disgust at someone made in the image of God. Sometimes people will say you should love the sinner and hate the sin, and I get it. I get that. It's an important principle. I really do understand it. But you've got to remember that when Jesus talks about your sin, in Matthew 7, talks about judgment, he doesn't say love the sinner, hate the sin. He says love the sinner and hate your own sin. Hate the log in your eye before you start thinking about the speck of sawdust elsewhere. So what do we have to do as church folks? We have to trust that the God that we serve made good stuff. That His creation is good. And that we can invest our lives in the people around us even if they don't look or think like us because those people are God's creation. And so tonight, I I say all of this and put a bow on this whole thing to say that I know that leadership is one of those things that if you don't think of yourself as a leader, you will say, I, this doesn't apply to me. But the truth is, the way Jesus talked about leadership, that's an everybody kind of thing. That is, anyone at the bottom of the pile who tries their best to love the Lord can make a difference in the world around them. And when a lot of people do that, you better watch out. And so if there's a way we can tonight call you to service of God or help you through any sort of struggle, uh, we would love to do that as we stand and sing.